This is Connor Crace, and you're listening to Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Loring. Yeah, she's cool. She's talking to some pretty cool people from the romance audiobook community. I mean, why listen to a podcast that only promises one eargasm? Be left satisfied. Listen to this one. You deserve it. My guest today is the wildly talented narrator Mackenzie Cartwright. She has narrated around 150 romance audiobooks at this point. For those of you who have listened to my audio or follow me, Kaylee Loring, and Mackenzie on social media, you know that she has narrated every single one of my audiobooks, and that is why she is the official voice of Kaylee Loring's Lady Parts. And true to form, just like my very charming yet uncontrollable Lady Parts, she kind of commandeered this conversation, I would say. So you get to hear Mackenzie Cartwright mostly interviewing me, and then she reads a Mama Brody monologue that I wrote for her on the fly that day. Mama Brody is a character from Funny Business. Uh, And then I managed to get a couple of questions in at the end. And then you're going to hear an outtake from episode one, which was the Teddy Hamilton and Emma Wilder episode, because Teddy got on our Zoom chat really early. So he and I talked for about 10 minutes before Emma got on. And we talked about similar things to what I talked about with Mackenzie. And since the majority of my audiobooks have been narrated by Teddy and Mackenzie at this point, I thought, you might like to hear them both in this episode. Then you'll hear the Hollaback segment, wherein Connor Crace answers listener questions. This episode of Multiple Eargasms is sponsored by The Audio Flow. Thank you, The Audio Flow. Well, hello. <laughs> hello. Thank you for joining me. I'm ready to have multiple eargasms. Um, well, I just had like three of them just hearing you say hello so oh hello I, I, <laughs> if i can do three maybe three uh three different syllables hello that could each be in or no, no it doesn't work that way no it worked for me good we're off and running all right i'll put a little check mark by my i've got little <laughs> check marks <laughs> i should get a i should get a bell thing and just go ding ding every time i have an eargasm Ding. Well, I'm going to I'm I'm just going to keep this tube of lipstick here and and uh, <laughs> and and a mirror and I'm just going to I'll pick a nice bright pink one and I'll just go ding ding check Beautiful. check check. There you go. I appreciate the pink. Also, uh you know, when you're recording, lipstick on the mirror is quiet. So, you know, I can be I can be putting a notch on on the um on the old mirror, lipstick on the mirror routine and nobody will even know. Yeah, but I mean, I can't, your mirror must be completely covered up by now. How do you even see yourself? Wipe it off every once in a while if it gets too, if it gets too filled up. You just want to like erase last night. I get it. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, it's good to start with a clean slate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, speaking of, I mean, we're going to keep everything we just said, of course, but welcome to Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Loring. And you, the voice of my lady parts. Da, 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 da. I have I have the nameplate to prove it. And it, you know it's called a nameplate now, or a desk plate. It's a called desk a desk plate. plate or a nameplate. De- one like one a day I'll remember what it's called. But yeah, me too. I look at it, I gaze upon it. If ever I'm doubting my self-worth, I just <laughs> I know. <laughs> that is so sad. I look at that <laughs> desk plate 
I look at the notches on the on the uh, I look at the <laughs> lipstick marks on the mirror in the middle of my recording studio and I go, I am great. <laughs> uh, How are you, my dear? I'm I'm really I'm I was really tired until I heard your voice. Seriously, like all day I've been so tired and now I'm so happy to talk to you. How are you? Oh, we're we're wilting. Um we're positively <laughs> really wilting. Hot. Yeah. It, it's hot, but um but I I feel the same way, you know. It's nice to uh ah, oh, it's nice to hear your voice. We do I do so Liar. much like imagining of your voice. <laughs> no, I do so much imagining of your voice that it's nice to actually hear it. You so. do you do reimagining of my voice, which is which is what I do when I'm writing for you, basically. And then, right. And then I essentially do the reanimating of your voice yeah. um, to, to... You're the reanimator. <laughs> the reanimator. Thank you. So anyway, so this, so you know, so everyone knows, this isn't going to be the first episode of Multiple Eargasms that goes live, but you are the first person I'm talking to on this show, which is very appropriate since you're my original narrator. But I'm going, I'm going to have you on again later multiple times and uh, and we'll have a longer hangout next time. But I just I wanted to touch base with you and, and yes, practice, well, practice recording a Zoom meeting with you. <laughs> you know, it's always good to try try it out on a tried and true uh, yeah. friend. You know, yes, exactly. I, I, I needed to try out my equipment, too. And so far, so far, so good. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, is this not equipment that you've used before? Or? No, it's, it's, it's the same, but everything's different. We have all these different, uh, interfaces. And if I'm doing multiple projects, some things are source connect. Some things are multiple, multiple orgasms. I feel like I, there should be orgasms. a drinking game for this <laughs> show where every time you hear the word multiple. It, every shot. time, every time we we do something more than once or talk about anything, there you go. One number. <laughs> oh. But go on interfaces. Sorry, multiple interfaces. Everyone's going to be staggering home, and multiple interfaces yeah. just sounds like a a new series um, of really really raunchy romance. Um, if you ask me, again, totally appropriate. Yep. Uh, totally appropriate. Everything's appropriate here. That's the beautiful thing about it. It is. <laughs> no holds barred. <laughs> totally appropriate. So sometimes when I'm being remotely directed, I I'm working with them through an an interface. And normally, where okay. we where I had a, a a desk outside the booth where the engineer used to sit okay. in pre-COVID times. So yeah. di there's different microphones, different different everything. And um, so you know, I just uh, I say a little prayer to the technology gods and yeah. uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. When you say an interface, do you mean like an app? <laughs> Basically, you know, it's this weird, wild bundle of hardware and software of things <laughs> where, you know, if you think of the old, uh, like somebody sitting in an old timey recording studio where they have like the lines that go back and forth, like the, the levels and stuff. You. <laughs> is that not what it is anymore? No, no I'm, I am totally, I no, that's part, that's part of what it is. But then using things like Zoom. You know, oh, your you computer, do. this is, this is totally boring, but your computer Stop. wants to, your computer wants to fight you for where the audio is coming from. It's like, no, yes. I want, I want you to come from my microphone. No, not that microphone. No, right, this right, microphone right. over here. Yeah. So it's just, you know, here we are. It's working. I'm watching the little thing go up and down. I know that's working. I know you can hear me. Yeah. By the way, I love the personality you gave to the computer. It was, it was an old timey 
like 1940s <laughs> comedy kind of. <laughs> I, say, I say, I say, old chap. Yeah. Uh, now see here. Yeah, I, I like my I like my tech, the things that I don't understand to be from a time period that's not my own. So I can't be responsible for <laughs> genius. Not knowing how to try that. Kaylee, right. talk to me. How are you? I want to know. I, I, <laughs> now, enough, enough about the stupid man that lives in my computer okay. um, with his top hat or with his straw hat. Um, I, I want to know how how is the writing process going? Because I feel like I'm always getting I'm always getting a script from your your representatives. Um, it's not even it's not even from you. I, I love it. You you call me or you text me or you email me and you say it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then I get like the very put together, nice um, email with the dates and here's highlights the script yeah. and the highlights and everything is so organized. And, um, uh, and you're like, wow, it's coming. I hope you like it. Bah! And uh, <laughs> see now that's what I actually sound like. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I love how you interpret my emails. <laughs> <laughs> that is the actual voice of my lady parts. That's what they really sound like. They're total spazzes. <laughs> like, ah, what are you doing? Why are you wearing that color panties today, you fucking loser? Um, nope. <laughs> we lost her. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. Just, um, just had to take a minute. Um, but, but seriously, back to my question. Whatever. Um, because I I feel like you're on a roll and <laughs> I, I, you're you're on a roll in more ways than one. But it just seems like and I don't want to I don't I don't know how writers think or, or if it's pressure or anything. But it seems like you are um, you are writing and writing and writing and writing. And it's marvelous because I um, I'm I'm narrating a lot of a lot of your work and it's wonderful. So is this like a particularly busy time for you have you ever written much <laughs> um okay first of all you've narrate you've been in all of my audiobooks and you probably always will um i so before i was writing these kaylee loring books i was a screenwriter um a professional screenwriter in la for like 15 years under a different name and being a screenwriter is like completely different from being an author, especially a self-published author. Um, like it's, it didn't feel like it at the time, but it's just a walk in the park when you're a screenwriter. Like when you're a screenwriter, it's mostly it's like 75% going to meetings and talking about scripts and talking about writing and talking about projects and then 25% actual writing. And of that 25% actual writing, it's mostly, you know, outlines and pitches and, uh, you know, you keep trying to get to the point where the producers and the studio executives will actually tell you, okay, you can go write the script now. And then, there's a lot of lunching, right, too? It, Please tell tons, me there's a lot of going to lunch. There's a lot of lunching, but there's, it's mostly um, meetings in offices. Um, but I did, yeah, my last couple of years, uh, in LA, I worked uh, for a studio as a staff writer, but like as a feature staff writer, and we were quote unquote part of the um, 
executive team. So I had an office on the lot in Burbank and it was me and four guys mostly who uh, were the staff writers at the time. And so we had lunch on the lot every day and it, we would have these oh. epic, epic two hour lunches in the commissary every single day. And every, you know, no work ever got done in the mornings until like after lunch and everybody would hang out usually in my office, sometimes in other people's offices. And then every Friday morning, we would have screenings of whatever new movie was coming out on <laughs> that day, like in the building that our offices were in. So it was very, very cushy. And you feel like so downtrodden all the time as a screenwriter, because you literally are so low on the totem pole. Like, you know, we complain all the time, but it's a, you know, you're very well paid. And like I said, there's not a lot of writing going on and you have all these people who are working for you, representing you. So you don't have to organize the meetings or anything like that. You just show up in your outfits or I did anyways. And I was charming and uh, yada, yada. Right. But that's a lot of and people then, to answer to. That's a, well, not answer to. I mean, they just, and... well, yes, sure. But I was, I was actually very good at that. And I think that's why I lasted as long as I did. Like I had heard mm -hmm. that um, most, cause I was a totally unproduced feature screenwriter. Um, so I, I like made a lot of money. People would like buy my spec scripts um, or pay me to write scripts or rewrite scripts. But for whatever reason, nothing that I wrote was ever actually produced into a movie and usually unproduced screenwriters last five years, I was told in Hollywood. And I lasted three times longer than that, I think just because I was really good in the room and people wanted to work with me. And also I was very good at taking notes and I just did tons of rewrites and I was kind of like a, you know, like a producer whisperer. Uh -huh. I would, um, you know, cause nobody in that business is really trained to give notes to writers. No. So I would like ask them questions and try to figure out what it was exactly that they thought was wrong with you know, a particular scene or a character or whatever. And you know, I would take copious notes and then, you know, go off and do the rewrite. And because that's where a lot of the development hell stuff, you know, happens because there's very bad communication in those meetings and nobody really knows what anybody wants or is supposed to do. So anyways, so that was that. And then I, you know, I decided to, I realized sort of my career is basically over at this point for whatever reason. I. I moved to the Pacific Northwest and I decided to write romance novels. And it's just been like nonstop work ever since then. I moved here, I think in this, it was like May, 2017. And I just like, for the first time, you know, in my adult life, I didn't do any writing at all until like September of that year, October of that year. I was just like, landscaping and getting settled here and everything. And it was fantastic. I didn't have writer's block. I just wasn't working. It was great. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I better write another fucking book. And so from, you know, the fall of 2017 on, it's just been nonstop writing. And I get these little windows of time in between books. But at first I was writing, I was putting up five books a year and then i decided to cut back to four books a year and yet i wow. i'm even busier now that it's been four books a year just because i'm doing more like pr stuff and this kind of and interviews and this kind of thing because i'm starting to say yes to all the stuff that i honestly instinctively i want to say no to stuff because i'm actually a very 
I'm a total introvert. I'm a very friendly introvert, but I'm not, uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm born to talk to people. And then I have these conversations and I totally love it. So it's fun to talk to one person, isn't it? Great. I love that person. I love like when, when you said you're, and, and by the way, like for everybody who's listening, I just want you to know I've spent, I've spent time in Hollywood. I've spent uh, the, the echelon that, that Kaylee's talking about is it it's incredibly high. Like you have, I don't think anybody really knows just how, I don't want to say rarefied and make that sound, you know, snobby or, or like you're on some sort of pedestal or anything, but just how much competition and, um, an ego and, uh, and difficulty it is to, to achieve what you've achieved and not only to achieve it, to stay there for so long. Um, that must've taken like the little like armchair psychologist in me is like, that must've taken an incredible, it must've been incredibly giving and, and stimulating in, in many ways. But I'm also yeah. thinking it also <clears throat> must have taken a, a toll um, on a way that you probably needed a, a big old break where you were, yeah. you know. It's hard on the ego. I mean, I don't think I really realized it at the time, but by the time I was like, okay, it's over. Because, you know, it, Hollywood for any creative person and probably for executives too, it's it's all about the fresh new faces and, and voices. And so while I was very lucky to have lasted as long as I did, you know, I saw the writing on the wall. And also, and I was like, at that point, I'd been writing comedies for 15 yeah. years. And I was so ready to write something. I mean, not filthy, but I wanted to write about sex and death. And I realized I would have to literally start over. And you can't yeah. start over you know, after you've already had a 15 year career in Hollywood. And so I was like, I would rather just start over in a completely new, it's not a new field, but I I had, I guess I didn't realize jumping into it, just how different writing novels was from writing screenplays. I mean, it's, it's completely different. It's a completely different life and it's a completely different way of writing. So. So how, so what's a typical day like for you? Like what, um, (laughs) What, what, how do you, I, I mean, I, look, I am fascinated by writers and yeah. they always have a quite a bit of mystery to me. I really don't know how the sausage gets made. Um, you know, I sort of have, because what I know about writers really comes from, I know, I know a couple of screenwriters, but besides you who are actively working, <clears throat> yeah. um, but I really, movies are too darn powerful to me. Um, to make me think that a writer does anything except sit at a typewriter and go chicka 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 chicka, and um and and like and throw like crumpled crumpled paper into the waste basket while drinking whiskey. Yeah, I just I have like such a sophomoric idea of of what this is like, and your output is so varied and so wonderful. Your dialogue is so snappy and so. And I go, how does she does it? How does she do it? Do you just do you um do you sit like do you do you write longhand? Do you write on a computer? Do you type type type? I mean, what what do you? Yeah, I would say ninety percent of the writing I do is directly on the computer in a Microsoft Word document at this point. But when I'm just starting out in those sort of glorious, maybe a week or two, when I'm just um, sort of uh, dipping my toes in the waters of a new project, I do like to work on different surfaces because you know I you think differently when you're um, using different 
mediums or I don't know what to call it, but like, so I do, I always have a new notebook for each project, but then I also have, I have a whiteboard and I have a bulletin board and index cards. And then I also have thousands of post-it notes. I'm like surrounded oh, by yes. post-it notes right now. Yeah. And, um, and I also have just tons of documents. And so I always have, I start with a document that is just notes and ideas. And that's where I just, any idea that comes to me goes in that document and very, and there for these books, it's, you know, usually character stuff, but it very often just goes into dialogue exchanges because I'm so, you know, dialogue driven. Oh, um, yeah. And then uh, I kind of partially outline stuff. Then I start a new document that's um, kind of an outline, but I'm sort of a hybrid um, outliner and pantser, as they say, meaning writing by the seat of your pants, because yes! I do, I do, um, I liken to, I liken it to a road trip where, you know, you know where you're going, you know, the major stops that, or I know the major stops that I want to make along the way, but I don't, you know, call ahead to make reservations at certain places, just in case the characters, you know, lead me in a different direction. But, I, but I know all the stops that I want to hit. And I never outline, you know, the last third of the book when I when I'm first starting, because I know that uh, once I get to that point, I'm going to have a much better idea of of the characters. And um, and also, I kind of don't I hate writing the, you know, the downbeat part of uh, of these books, which to anyone who <laughs> actually reads or listens to them, that's probably not surprising because I have very brief like separation periods for my, my you lovers. Mean, you mean um, when we have, when, when we have approximately 35 to 40 pages to go in the script and there's a, and there's a conflict. Yeah. That's yeah. When there's the misunderstanding that causes yes. them to separate for a while for, I think for most romance novels, it's, it's probably like 25% of the book for me. It's like maybe two and a half chapters or something like that. Cause I just can't, I can't handle it. I, I love that though because yeah. I I have a smile on my face the whole yeah. the whole time and um and and everyone's going to have a, a a conflict even a small conflict feels like a huge one when you're falling when in love when you're so in love yeah exactly um so then at a certain point I just start because now I have beta readers and because I have sh such a short period of time to actually write these books now because I have I do the writing I have the beta readers I have an uh an editor and I have um, I have a proofreader who does a second round of proofreading, so there it ha it goes through a lot of eyes before it actually gets uh, published. And so um, it I takes write, a village. It takes a village, and I write everything in order. I write the chapters in order, and I'll, I spend more time on the first several chapters than I do um, later on in the book once I'm really into it because I'm you know finding the voice of the book and the characters. And uh, and then I usually send the first like chunk to my beta readers, and uh, because I always have these crazy deadlines now that I I book the narrators so far in advance, and I have so that I can get the audiobooks out closer to the release of um, of the ebooks for my asshole audiobook listener fans. Um, oh, I have yeah. to turn in my first deadline is always getting it to audio so that it can be prepped and get gotten to the narrators and then it gets edited and blah, blah, blah. 
So, um, you know, at see, this, this point, is this is a trick. This is a good holdover from Hollywood because you got to have those actors. You got to have the director all lined up, everybody. Oh, yeah. And uh, for I, I, I can hear, I can practically hear the pen scratchings and type clicking of people taking furious notes about your process. I'm just, just yeah. Pausing. Well, you're welcome. I hope so. Other either <laughs> yeah. that or they've just stopped listening because they're hoping to listen to you say no, sexy stuff. No, 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 <laughs> and we no, will no, be no. getting to that. Um. Well, you mentioned a road trip, and as soon as you said road trip, I started thinking about Mama Brody. And um, <laughs> I started, no, I started thinking about um, the Southwest and then I started thinking about Texas. And yeah. then I was like, yeah, that is a good, that is a good road trip. And you know how you start, you start yeah. just like you start your scripts, which are more, you know, more involved. They take a little bit more setting up in the beginning and then you just start to go and you start to hit yeah. it. And um, that's very much like Mama Brody who's a character in one of your upcoming books. I think we should talk about her. Yeah, so Mama Brody is um, a character in Funny Business, which is the first book in the Brody Brothers series. Uh, so Mackenzie and I are talking, it's now July 13th, and uh, the audiobook will be coming out in August 5th. Um, and Mama Brody and Mackenzie are going, Mackenzie's going to be uh, reading Mama Brody in all three of these books. Um, Mama Brody is the mother of uh, the three Brody brothers, and she lives in East Texas, and she's a pretty colorful character. She's tipsy most of the time in this book, only like literally only because I want to hear <laughs> Mackenzie read in her tipsy voice or personality, whatever you want to call it, because drunk Mac hashtag drunk Mackenzie is now a thing. Drunk, drunk Mackenzie is now a thing, but I, I got to say, there's some people who just get sharper when they drink and Mama yeah. Brody, Mama Brody is one of them. She kind of is. She, she makes a few typos when she's texting with her family. But <laughs> other than that, she's super <laughs> sharp all the time. <laughs> I, I cannot wait for people to hear these text messages um, as they yeah. come up. Um, but uh, did you did you want me to maybe launch into this wonderful thing <clears throat> that you just sent me? Um, to yeah, let's do that. But bit. there's also FYI, there's like a couple of things I do want to ask you later since I did actually want to interview you. But yeah, let's. Um, so I, <laughs> this interview came together very, very quickly, like this podcast. But um, yeah, earlier this afternoon, I uh, I wrote a two page monologue for Mackenzie to read for us in the voice of uh, Mama Brody. So I guess it doesn't really need story setup, right? You want to just... No, no. All, all you just need to picture is a, a, a woman on the phone and that's that's all you got. And right. I think that's all you need because you're such a great writer that she just leaps. For me, she leaps off the page. I can see her right here doing her nails. So I'm just going to go ahead and start, y'all. All right. Um, well, hello there. Yes, Juanita. This is Bonnie Lynn Brody. How are you this afternoon? Let me just take you off of speakerphone now. Y'all had me on hold for so long. I went and got myself a little drink to keep myself entertained for a spell, and that was three little cocktails ago. <laughs> oh, now I was not complaining about you, sugar. You sound like a lovely girl. I was just calling because I was meant to receive a package from y'all by today at 4 p.m., and it is now 4.31 p.m., and it has not yet been delivered. I was just calling to see if there's anything you could do to help me with that. 
you know what? I do not have the tracking number in front of me. I've just been running around like a chicken with her head cut off all day, getting ready to go to a very special event with my husband. And here I was expecting to come home to a package with the dress I ordered because I paid an extra $35 for it to be delivered for tonight. Now, is it at all possible for you, Juanita, to track down the delivery fella and ask him where he's at and where, when he'll be arriving at my house with my new dress? Yes, that's the one. But it is now well after 4 p.m. and I paid the extra $35. Oh, I see. I did not realize that was your company's policy. That is very inconvenient because my husband will be here any minute. And if I am not ready to go in one hour, I will never hear the end of it. I see. And would it be too much to ask for a refund for that special delivery fee I paid then? Uh-huh. Well, like I said, I will not be home at 6.30, so I will not be able to phone you back at that time. Oh, I understand. No, I do. I understand. Now, you just tell me something before I hang up, Juanita. Do you feel all right, sugar? Because you sound a bit upset, and I hope to God that it was not I who upset you. Your boyfriend? Just now? Before I called? You said that in a text message? And what did he say when he replied? Oh, absolutely not. No. No, I am sorry. That is simply unacceptable behavior. I do not care what decade it is. If a man does not see to the needs of his woman in bed, he will not see to them out of bed either. I've been married for 35 years to a man who is so devilishly handsome and charming. Why, he is second only to Mr. Patrick Dempsey himself in that department. But that man, he could start a fight in an empty house, and he has driven me crazy as a bull bat 20 times a day, every single day that I've known him. But I tell you what, the first time I spent the night with that man, I knew. I knew I could rely on him to look after me in every way I'd need him to for the rest of my days on this earth. And I have raised my three sons to cherish their women in all ways as well. Not that they're very good at staying married to them, mind you, but I've got my fingers crossed for Owen. Oh, now don't you cry over spilt milk or a lousy boyfriend, hon. Not ever. You just text him back right now that you've had enough of him, you hear? Keep it short and simple and do not take him back when he comes crawling on his hands and knees, because Lord knows he will. Now, sweets, you just need to come on over to my house for some girl time tomorrow. Oh, yes, I will make you a cocktail, chicken fried steak with all the fixings, and a chocolate pecan pie that will knock your pretty little socks off. What neighborhood do you live in, hon? You have my address here for the delivery, so I'll give you directions. Why am I not familiar with that area? How far is it from Sugarland? Over 2,000 miles? Oh, you're in Puerto Rico. Oh, my goodness, I had no idea. I swear, you sound so close. It's like you're right down the street. You know, if you don't mind my saying, your English is absolutely perfect. Oh, tell you what, then. I will send you my secret recipe for chocolate pecan pie by email. And when you bake it and eat it, you will know exactly how a man should make you feel, and you must not settle for anything less. You hear? Oh, no, it is the very least that I can do for you, sugar. I'd best be getting along now, though. I have to find something else to wear for this shindig tonight. What's that? Oh, now, Juanita, you do not have to issue me that refund if you do not have the authority to do so. Well, my goodness, you are an absolute angel. 
Thank you so much, Juanita. I just feel like I'm riding a gravy train with biscuit wheels. I'm so lucky I caught you on the phone instead of anyone else. I hope you have a wonderful night, and you have my email address there for my account. You just send me an email, and I will send you back that recipe for my happy pie just as soon as I can. And you know what else? Why don't you send along a picture, too? I've got two boys who are single right now, and if you ever find yourself in Los Angeles, I will let them know. I swear they've had no luck with women on their own, so it's about time their mama showed them how it's done. <laughs> mama Brody's showing everyone how it's done. <laughs> you guys, I just wrote this for like two hours ago, and that was so I can't believe you didn't even need to take a break. Was oh, amazing. that's so much fun. Thank you for writing that. That was just a treat. I yeah, I oh. just literally sat down and launched into it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it's probably like an old Carol Burnett show skin or something that you can watch on YouTube. Oh, so I love watching. it. I love it. I love the I love the one-sided things because you, yeah. you could just you you are so amazing with dialogue that it doesn't matter what's happening on the other end. Something is happening on the other end. Yeah. And we can all imagine it. Yeah. Well, good. So let me let me just ask you one question if you have time, because sure, 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 thematically sure. this is what I just, so I just wanted to talk about narrating, since this is called multiple yeah. orgasms, I just wanted to talk about narrating sex scenes. <laughs> um, oh, so, sure. <laughs> but do you remember, <laughs> do you remember the first time you had to do that for an audiobook? And do you remember like being kind of freaked out or anxious about it? Did you like have to talk to narrators first? How did you prepare? You know, I I remember I was a little nervous because I was working with an engineer who was a, a man. Oh, who right. I, you know, I I always try to establish rapport with an engineer. And um, if I kind of sense that they're game, <laughs> you know, that they're game for anything and yeah. and I tell them what's what's going on. I think I think in the beginning I was a little um I think I was like a little giggly about it. I was just like a little, oh, well, I guess this is happening now. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think I had to like take a little extra water and um, I think my mouth got dry a, a little bit. I I was carrying around, God, in those days, like I was carrying around green apple slices and you know, just I was I was trying to make sure that, yeah, I, I was little things through me more so than they do now. Hmm. So now, you know, I... Uh, you know, if I'm working with a new engineer or director, I'll say, oh, you know, on a break, like here it comes or, or something like that, or, or, or not, and not even because with your work, it's so seamlessly, you know, woven into the story. I think one of the, one of the earlier, some of the earlier stuff I did was a little bit clunky or I was a little bit clunkier with it. Mm -hmm. I didn't quite know how to do it. Um, in the beginning, I remember feeling a little lulled. Sometimes oh. I felt kind of pulled into the, like into the encounter a little bit. It was, okay. it was a little dreamlike for me at, at, in the beginning. Disassociative? Is it? When yeah, you're uh, no, like... no, no, not, not, um, not, not going out of the scene, but going into it. There's a certain, but going into it, okay. that there's a certain rhythm and the way, the way that it was written was different than say the dialogue because this was all now from mm. her her point of view as okay. it was happening to her. Right, right. And so it gets almost a little meditative, almost a little um 
It gets intense. It gets quiet. It gets, uh, and, and some of these scenes can be really serious. They're really intense. They're not, yeah. they're not broken up by a whole lot of, um, you know, like how yours are, which is, which are punctuated by great dialogue or mm -hmm. wonderful thoughts or something. Some, some sex scenes when they're not as well written are kind of just like thick slabs of cake. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> big, thick slabs of cake. They're like, no, they're like yeah. a brownie. They're like a brownie. There's no, <laughs> there's no, like, there's yeah. no layers with fruit in the middle or, or mm -hmm. like or whipped cream or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's like, this ain't nothing but brownie. And you're yep. gonna, you're gonna, <laughs> You're gonna like, have to plow through oh this Oh my brownie. god! There's a giant brownie coming at me. I <laughs> like there, here, here it is, the giant brownie. <laughs> but the better the scenes were written, and the better I got at narrating them, they became now. It's like now it's like a dessert buffet. You know, it's ah. like it's like uh, it's like when they and those those great New York restaurants where they roll up the dessert cart and you're just yep. like, what the fuck am I going to choose? Because I yeah. can have anything and it can be like on fire, it too, is. if I if I want. Right. I can have anything. So I hope okay. that wasn't that was an overly long answer to you. No, question. not at all. Are you kidding me? How long was my answer to your one question? Um, Nobody's counting. Nobody's counting. Yeah. But um, so, OK, two questions off of sure. that. Are you sure, sure. facing are you facing your director or engineer? No, Usually, not directly. I'm facing okay. this. I'm facing the script, the music stand right. or the or the or, or the whatever. Generally, there's a window, um, but my body is facing the microphone and I may be using my hands and stuff. And and generally the director right. is looking at looking at his computer or her computer. OK, OK, so that's so. less awkward. It's less awkward. <laughs> I, I don't I don't have a I don't have a, like a picture of their of their face um, staring at <laughs> Do you have a picture of your your co-narrator's faces now? Just, <laughs> you just have a little like a bobblehead, and then you can just like <laughs> switch out. Oh my god! That, <laughs> don't tempt me, Kaylee Loring. Or or just take oh. the just have like the picture of the the cover model from a very bossy Christmas in front of you all the time for inspiration. Oh yeah. Or do that. I could just do that little pan and scan where I just move it up and down. <laughs> just depending on what part again a buffet so. yeah yeah but then the other thing i wanted to ask you is do you do you always read these chapters and scenes all the way through or do you take breaks or uh, i take i take breaks i will very rarely stop in the middle of a chapter it's too the momentum is too it there there are natural places to break in right. in the story and i find myself you know the end of a chapter that's a good place for a break or sometimes right. in a page break but um you know or if something's if something's really going off the rails and like i need to make some tea or something i will but mm -hmm. i i hate i hate to do that i rarely i rarely stop so but technically if you if you make a mistake you just like quick you do a rollback is that what it's called if i make a mistake we do what's called a, a punch in so the engineer or most narrators do this by themselves they rewind just a little bit and the playback um, takes you up to where you stopped and then you continue on. So you can come in at a, a period, certainly is very easy to do. Yeah. If, you're, if you're pretty skilled, you can come in at a comma 
<laughs> if you're, you know, if you're really skilled and you, your engineer, or you hear a little gap in a sentence where it would still make sense and you can really match well, you can pick it up in the middle of a sentence, but wow. you gotta be, you gotta be really good. And, and, and generally you want to get it right. So yeah. the, the momentum's with you. So those little stops and those little go backs, they happen go-backs. really quickly. Yeah. Okay. And they're not, they're not go backs. They're, they're a, a pun- it's called punch and roll. So, right. um, you know, most of the time you want to roll. Okay. I mean, I know I do. I do too. I don't like getting punched. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of at least one narrator that I would love to punch. But... Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, some people kiss and tell. I, I, don't, I wouldn't want you to, I wouldn't want you to punch and tell. Everybody knows. Okay. Well. We've already gone over our time limit, so thank you so much for doing this for me, Mackenzie Cartwright. It's so great to talk to you, and thank thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be the first. Well, I guess we we did it together. Yeah, exactly. I think it went pretty well for a first time, and to have all these people listening, too. I mean, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, you are definitely the top. <laughs> let me tell you, you just, <laughs> you just waltzed right in here and took control and I'm happy with it. Oh, <laughs> honey. I just, I just have, I just have a very, I have a very low bar for myself and I have, and I have a filter that has just gotten, gotten warm. <laughs> time goes on. Oh, it is such a pleasure. It's such yeah. a pleasure. I love um, you. And I love you too. We'll do this again. Okay. And thank you. Thank you. Good night, night. night. Bye. <laughs> okay. And this is the outtake from episode one from my Zoom chat with Teddy Hamilton before Emma Wilder joined us. Enjoy. Hello. 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 Welcome to my show. <laughs> Never spoken to each other before. No, we haven't. Yeah. Not directly. Yeah. Nice to nice to talk to you. Um, well, it's really great to talk to you. So I'm already recording. Do we does everything sound good on your end? It sounds good to me. Okay, good. Um, so did you get the uh the little scene that I sent you? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I can't okay. stop thinking about your love box and all the lunch meat I'm going to stuff it with when we, when we get home. That's um, that's on point performing. Well done. Thank you. Well Thank played, you. sir. You know exactly how to how to talk salami. <laughs> um, were you involved in the entertainment industry at some point? Yeah. So I was a, a professional screenwriter for 15 years before I started right. doing this. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I used to live in LA and then I moved to the Pacific Northwest when I realized my career as a totally unproduced screenwriter was over. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh but yeah, I was really lucky. I had a I had a really good long run as a, as an unproduced writer. So What does that mean to be an unproduced writer? It means I, I made really good money um, selling spec scripts to studios and they would hire me to write or rewrite scripts. Um, I was a feature writer it, almost exclusively, like Lifetime hired me to uh, to write a pilot and stuff like that. But uh, but for whatever reason, nothing that I wrote was ever actually, you know, produced to a feature film or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
which is fairly it, it's it's more common than people realize but oh, what i had heard yeah but like i had heard that the average length of a, an unproduced screenwriter's career is five years and i i lasted three times that long so i'm still yeah, yeah. really lucky but i've been yeah, so. well and you still you still get to write and make your living as a writer That's... oh absolutely it's it's a lot uh it's a lot more work but it's um a lot more satisfying yeah yeah that's what it's what sort of the the audiobook world you know as a i was on a tv show for a while and when you're a kid right well a kid when i turned 21. Oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> yes I, we're I, all still kids kid. yeah i was a kid but but it wasn't i wasn't like a child i had a couple of sort of tv shows. I, I was on a i was on a show on disney channel for a little while when i was a oh kid. you were shut up i didn't know that I didn't know that when yeah. I wrote well, Sleeper because, and I wrote But that's it wasn't a it wasn't a Disney Channel, Disney Channel. Like, well, okay. It was like an interstate it was movie surfers. Have you ever heard of movie surfers? No. It was like this thing that they had made that Disney Channel had made to be like to go behind the scenes of their new movies. So our oh. our show would only come out when there was a movie, you know, when there was a new movie out. Um, oh, but it, so it wasn't like a weekly show type of thing. Yeah. But we were characters and like, it's still going. And at one point they sent movie surfers to space at some point, like oh they had, God, they okay. did that thing where they, where they, where they send the, the plane up and then drop down so we can do zero G. Um, what? yeah, they did a whole, like I was in the, I was part of the original movie surfers and then they would just, they always kept the kids young. So once you started to age up, then they would do. <laughs> um once they started to ask for a raise they would retire them <laughs> i also worked for disney i know how that goes but but so i did that and then i was on a i was on a discovery channel reality show that was oh just a show um and then i was on an abc sitcom when i was in my when i was 21. i so i made good money as an actor doing that and then after my show on abc i like made nothing I couldn't get yeah. hired for anything. And I became, I got into like construction for a while. I was like doing like weird, odd jobs all over the I place. I love that though. Uh, I do too. And actually, I think that it made me a better actor because I'm sure I was with completely different people. Like I was in charge. They, they would set me on in jobs. I, I built most of, I shouldn't say I built most of it because I didn't build the actual structures. Uh, Harry Potter land and at Universal Studios. Oh my God. Like all of the, all of the rigging that happens in there. Like, so in, anytime you're walking anywhere and there's like stuff hanging from the ceilings or yeah. a lot of the animatronic things, my crew installed all of that stuff. So and... this is actually something I do want to talk to you on the podcast, because this is something that fascinates me about, about right. actors is the, uh, before I became well, a, <laughs> a full-time Well, that's what I was going to say. This book, I mean, we should actually just hold off on this for a Okay. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Let's just sit here awkwardly and quietly until Emma gets <laughs> Just plug it in somewhere else. But yeah, good idea. I Let's just knew that. you clearly had some experience in the entertainment industry just because the way you talk about it is so real. Yeah, well, I don't know if you remember Sleeper, which you did, where um, you played Shane Miller, who was an actor. Like, I, whenever I write about 
people in the entertainment industry, I do mostly stick to like behind the scenes, who are they at home kind of thing. Cause I was like, I was best friends with a TV star for five years. And I, you know, I went to premieres and I know how fucking boring yeah. premieres are. And that's the stuff that most readers expect from a Hollywood romance. And I'm yeah. just like, okay, that stuff that you're seeing, that's, that's editing. That's editing a really boring three hour night down to 30 seconds for TV. But so I guess I'm just, I, I'm just so used to hanging out with performers. To me, that's a lot more interesting to write about is, uh, and cause I, I actually, that's also one of the reasons that I wrote Sleeper for you, because I, I had heard you mention that you were um, a child actor. I think that's how you put yeah. it. The reason why I say that also is I, when I look back on my, on my, because I was a successful actor. I was in commercials yeah. all the place. I, yeah. I was a working actor. And yet then at some point, I I just stopped. And really what it is, is it's because I was a child actor, even though I was I, I kept doing it into my early 20s. Yeah, I had the mindset of a child actor. Oh, OK, because when you're a child actor, you have no control over your own. Exactly. Kid. And that's that's something that's so interesting to me because my be my best friend was also on a Disney Channel show and her boyfriend at the time uh, that's how they met and so I knew all of these twenty um, something people who were teenagers on uh, and they were owned by Disney and I just noticed that they were all so surprisingly down to earth and really really kind of craved. Uh, a normal life because they didn't have a normal yeah. childhood yeah. Um, and that's it's kind of the opposite of what most people expect i think from people who are child actors and also you would think that the child actors know the most because they've been doing it their whole lives but i yeah. think they actually to be honest because they've because it was because like you talk to a child actor's mom a child right. actor's mom <laughs> you know but a child actor oh yeah spends most of their time just kind of being told what to do. Right. Where yeah. Um, did you did you go through that like Disney training thing that they do for their child performers? I think so. No, not for me. Okay. Yeah. Cause I heard because they have kind of like these workshops where there's like these specific um adults that kind of there's like a Disney training program for kids basically. It's, it's not creepy but it's, yeah, that's what I was gonna say that sounds really cool. <laughs> it, it, it's a little bit creepy but um you know they didn't do anything like that for me but that, I think that's probably because again I wasn't like I don't think I was I wasn't a Disney Channel Disney Channel kid you know what I, mean? I wasn't like Zach and Cody or something like that right <laughs> um did you my, sorry go on the kid who played my younger my youngest brother on my ABC show, he then went on to his name was Jason Dolly. He went on to like, I don't know what shows he was on, but he became a Disney Channel. Okay. Um. So, but did you guys go like onto sets to interview people, or what? You just talked about the movies that were coming out. In the early years, when I was when I was on it, we just talked to green screens. And 
then they would have separately like I interviewed I personally interviewed Robin Williams for Flubber. Oh my god. And I never met Robin Williams or talked to him. I talked to okay. a green and somebody else who had gone and interviewed uh him asked him the questions that I was asking the green screen. Do you know what I mean? So I never actually <laughs> yeah. well that would but, take some training. That's really hard to do to pull that off. Yeah, I mean no you just look at a screen and you go, so when when you play Professor Club <laughs> Is this happen or what? But and did then, you like pretend that he was going off on a tangent though? Which I'm sure he did. Laugh because he said something funny. Right. But like also sometimes I think I think for that one, they didn't know what uh they hadn't done his interview yet. So then they would just have us be like, okay, now laugh like he said something really funny. Oh my god. <laughs> hey guys. Hi, welcome. Hello. Can you hear me okay? I think you sound amazing. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. <laughs> and now here's narrator Connor Crace answering listener questions based on episode two of Multiple Orgasms. We aren't going to be doing the Hollowback segment for every episode because it turns out it's a little too much work for me and I have to write novels and be an author and stuff. But Hollowback will be back eventually. So thanks to Connor Crace for taking the time to answer these questions. Multiple Orgasms with Kaylee Loring will be back with more episodes in October after I've finished writing my next book. Hello everyone, Connor here for my Hollaback questions. This first one is from Leticia. Do you remember a specific scene you loved reading or one that was particularly hard for you? Um, Oh, there's a Kaylee note here. If you would like to know which app I use for sound effects, let me know. Um, I'm going to let Kaylee and her team handle the sound effects. This one's pretty easy. This is for Lucy, the description in there of what happens. I'm not going to give anything away, but that was pretty tough. Uh, do you keep any outtakes of errors you make while recording? Do you have any you can share? Um, I don't. Uh, a huge reason is that they're not very funny. I spent some time trying to figure out why, and it's because there's not another person there. I love bloopers and outtakes. I think I've seen The Office outtakes about 20 times for each season. And they're funny because you have two actors with energy trying to create a scene. And me, it's just misreading something in the booth. I don't think it's very interesting. Okay, Lori Chandler says... Not book-related, I would be curious to know how you feel about Mac Jones as our new go-to QB. I like Cam Newton from his Carolina Panther days, but Mac gives me an underdog Brady feeling, and I think this kid is going to accomplish big things. I just hope the Pats give him the time and attention to grow into the position. Fantastic, fantastic question. One, I was not a Cam Newton fan. Um, I thought he was kind of a front-runner. I think he ran his mouth when he was winning, and he didn't really like when people were running their mouth when they were winning over his team. And I was kind of like, pick one dude. You can either not talk and be mad when people are talking, or you can talk and then take it when you're losing. Um, but since he's been on the Pats, even though he hasn't been very good, I love Cam Newton. I think he's been a super professional guy, and I love the way he handles his business. So I hope he has a great year. That being said, when I saw Mac walk down after getting picked, I didn't really know anything about him because I don't watch college and he has that 45 year old dad body and he he must be what 22 years old I was like this guy's the thing how confident he is and how terrible he looks in that suit it's just like Brady 
All right, from Yael Vaknin. I hope I pronounced that even close to what it's supposed to be. Sorry, Yael. Would you like to narrate a book in a different language, assuming you know all languages? If so, what language would it be? Well, in honor of Yael, even though I probably butchered your name, let's say Hebrew. Uh, Rula Hart would like to know. Uh, there was an audio file attached for the pronunciation of this name. I didn't do the full proper pronunciation. Instead, I decided to go with the way people from Boston say ruler. Rula, how do you really feel about it when Kaylee makes you sing or do totally awkward things like play a cock in her audiobooks? It's great. I love it. From Karen Hoffman, what is your criteria for choosing a story to narrate? I'm sure you get offers every day now, and I wonder about the process you go through to decide on which ones to add to your schedule. Uh, that's a pretty good question. Um, it's more about the things I don't want to do now rather than the things I want to do. Um, there's things that I just don't feel like I would have fun doing, so I've said no to a handful of those. But other than that, I'm pretty open to what people have to offer. Leanne Schwartz would like to know, In your opinion, does ice cream cake qualify as cake if someone asks you to bring a cake for dessert? Uh, my wife and I just got Netflix back, so we finished the pandemic season of British Baking Show. And they did a 1980s week where they did ice cream cakes. I don't like ice cream cake. I love cake. I love ice cream. I don't like ice cream cake. I think I just don't like frosting on ice cream. Um, it's not a cake. No, it's not a cake in the same way that a hot dog is not a sandwich. If people ask you to bring sandwiches and you brought hot dogs, they'd be like, these are not sandwiches. It's not a cake. But if you like it, more power to you. Kim Coffee demands... I post more on Instagram and specifically wants my body shots, not other people's bodies, but will accept random daily life pics as well. Okay, not a question, so we'll see. Aaron Williams asks, uh, kind of Kim Coffey's question, or non-question, but with a lot more words like ripped, hot, fuck, estrogen, you get the idea. Um, yeah, we'll see where that goes. From Lisa Larson, besides reading listening to lady porn, I, like many others, took the pandemic as an opportunity to purge and organize. My question for you, what is one item you own that you should really throw away, but probably never will? Are you sentimental about anything? Um, I am very sentimental, but not really about stuff. It just has never really done it for me. Um, I have a lot of really important pictures and videos on my laptop, I would be really, really sad if I lost those. A lot of old home movies from my parents. Uh, but aside from that, I, don't, I can't think of an object um, that I've really kept around for no reason. Okay, Sheila would like to know, who is your favorite singer band? Have you ever seen them live? Where? Uh, I think I'd have to say Daft Punk. And no. And since I think they recently uh, retired... I guess never. Kelly Love and Leanne Schwartz would both like to know, which Disney character would you voice and why? Um, let's see. Well, Disney now owns Fox and Marvel, so I can voice just about anybody. Uh, so I want to voice Wolverine. That's who I want to voice. Last but not least, Michelle Sutton asks, if your roles were reversed, what kind of story would you write and what role would you give to Kaylee to narrate? And would there be accents and singing involved? Um, 
Kaylee, as a human being, very much reads like her heroines. So yeah, I would just make her narrate her own heroines. Bonus questions from Val Wall. Okay. Australian and Irish accent truly suits you well, but I wonder, do you try to practice narrating sexy lines with your wife? Well, um, we have two kids. Uh, they are three years old and one. So uh, there's no time to practice, Val. You got to get it done. Um, and for my wife, um, I wouldn't say Irish and Australian would be her cup of tea when I do Boston. Um, this will give you a little insight into my wife. Her favorite Mark Wahlberg is Fear Mark Wahlberg, where he etches the girl's name into his abs with a knife, I believe. Um, so there's a little insight into my wife, not into our relationship, but my wife's uh, interests and tastes. So there you go. Uh, thanks, everyone. I hope these were entertaining, and I love doing them. And uh, give Kaylee tons of shit. All right, thanks. Wow. Thanks again to Connor for answering all of those questions. But I have an even better idea, I think. You guys, you should give Connor tons of shit. This is Mackenzie Cartwright, also known as the official voice of Kaylee Loring's Lady Parts. Multiple Eargasms with Kaylee Loring is produced by Elysian Nightfall Studios and The Audio Flow. To learn more about your host, you can visit www.kayleeloring.com. Thank you for eargasming.